Hi, my name's John Kasher and welcome to Cash Talk, where there'll be no boundaries and a lot of straight talk. All things money, business, and just everyday stuff. Hey guys, before we get started, just a quick reminder that all the information in this podcast is of a general nature and not tailored to your personal circumstances. So please seek personal financial advice before acting on this information. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Cash Talk. And today we've got an interesting one because I'm going to be speaking to a lovely lady called Brett, who happens to be a client of mine. But um, before she was a client of mine, we were interacting on our social media. I was really following her journey. uh, And it was really good to, you know, for her to be able to break down her world uh, in regards to money. And obviously there was a few changes that happened in regards to um, ASIC and them coming out and putting a little bit of guidelines on what people are saying. But I think it's always good for people to kind of share um, their own experiences because one of the things that we struggle with a lot is is talking about money and money needs to be talked about um, so that people can improve. And um, so, Brett, before I ramble on, welcome and thank you very much for jumping on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, awesome. Awesome. Can't wait to jump into it. So, Brett, what do we start with just a brief rundown about you and maybe your journey to where you are now? And I know that's obviously a big journey, but mm. maybe just, um, you know, let's just start with your kind of situation. You know, where, where are you at now? Hey, um, well, yeah, we've had a lot going on this year. Uh, I'm 34. Um, I have a partner. We just bought our first house. We were rent vesting for years. So we just bought our first house this year that we're renovating. I've got two little kids that we share half 50-50 with my ex-husband. Uh, we had two properties and we have three. So my partner has one, I have one, and then we have our one combined that we just purchased. Uh, and, yeah, we started our plan with you earlier in the year and we're working through all the nuances of, of that, setting up insurances and all the legal mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. So <laughs> ticking, ticking, all, ticking, all, ticking all the boxes that we we're need to, so ad- we can get into the fun stuff. We're adulting at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's it. So, you know, you, you've done quite well, obviously, being 34, mm. you've got three properties combined, um, you know, with a couple of kids and you know, there's, a, there's an ex involved. So I would imagine life hasn't necessarily been a straight line and probably was a bit of a squiggly one for yourself. Um, yeah. But your journey of money probably started very early on for you to kind of be this or is this something that you've picked up over the last you know, few years to be able to you know, give attention to money? Um, well, I would say in the beginning, it was probably a very negative experience. Um, when we were kids, me and my two brothers, I'm the oldest, um, we had this beautiful old Queenslander that my dad had been renovating and, um, we were quite young when they sold that property and it was because his business was, um, failing, I suppose. It was around the time of interest rates being, you know, that 12 to 18%. So late eighties, early nineties, his business kind of, yeah, fell apart. Um, so for us, having that sold sign out the front of the house and we, you know, quite young, not really understanding, but we moved into rentals. We were in rentals till we were about 16, 17. Um, so shifting house every 12 to 18 months was quite hard. And I think that just kind of stuck in my head, like, I have to buy a house. I want that security for me and my family. So we, me and my ex-husband uh, bought a house when we were 24. 25 uh, and that's now an investment property he hated that property so I took it over about two years ago uh, and funnily enough we're about to sell that house and get some cash out of that one and restructure our finances with you guys um, 
not ideal, obviously, selling an asset, but it turns out this is actually going to be better off for us now to finish our renovations, restructure everything. Um, so, yeah, pretty interesting. But, yeah, was quite negative when we were, were kids, um, not really having that much money and no holidays. We rarely had holidays, that sort of thing. So to turn around from a very negative experience to now positive experience and having a good relationship with money, it's been a long journey. It's, it's, a, it's a very interesting thing. I hear, uh, hear mm. stories like you um, a lot. Even my own journey was, you know, going from highs to lows and having to experience that as a young child. And it sounds like you've done the same. And I think it spurs something inside you where it's like, oh, I need to do better. I don't want to be in this situation. I don't want to be like and that. Mm. I don't want to be like that. And, you know, I was funnily enough talking to my wife in the car about, you know, our children and you don't want to kind of make sure you're giving them everything because they need to learn a little bit of hardship so that they can learn the value of a dollar. And Definitely. this is a clear example of driving you to help you get on the pathway to success. And obviously, you know, we're the same age and, you know, we can see that, you know, those previous experiences have put us where we are now and, and, and continuing to push for more. Um, a great, great story in regards to that. Obviously, it was probably hard early on. But it's probably good to reflect on that as well too, you know, mm. a reflection on where you are now and being able to make those decisions where, you know, you're moving different investment properties, not trying to make sure that you've got a roof over your head anymore, which mm. is amazing, okay? Um, mm -hmm. So now that you've got that focus, obviously you're working with us, which, you know, in itself there's a lot of education and there's a lot of stuff that we do. But before you came to me, I did notice that you were putting a lot of time into self-education and whatnot. And where did that kind of journey stem from? Was it just this continued process that you that you that you fell in love with, you know, improving yourself? Or where did this come from? Um, yeah, well, just going back to when I was younger, I remember when we were about 15, 16, me and my brothers. Um, I remember being, yeah, I don't know, teenager. Oh, I want this, I want this, I want this. And mum and dad being like, if you want it, you go and get a job. So um, I've been working since I was about 16. Uh, there's a couple of times where I was working multiple jobs, um, to, not just to make ends meet, but to have that extra cash for holidays or whatever. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and then, so since, your journey. Your, oh, so yeah, your journey. I, um, so we bought our house. Uh, soon after that, I, so I was managing a jewellery store and then I got a job for a bank. I still work for that bank. So I've been there quite a long time, nearly nine years. And that's probably when the financial literacy really kicked up a notch, I guess, talking to customers, home loan customers, they've got investment properties, um, and we would have pretty long chats about what they were doing. Um, and I talked to other people in the bank that worked in finance or mortgages, and they had, you know, talked about depreciation reports, investment properties, that sort of thing. So that kind of geared that, I think. Um, so I do read quite a lot of books, Barefoot Investor, that's pretty much a staple that all of us, I think, have, and you kind of work on that. Uh, Victoria Devine, I listen to a lot of her podcasts and read, have also read her book. Uh, and then I think just through Instagram, that's how I got onto a few of you guys and mainly yourself, uh, and just throwing out different sorts of ideas. I guess a lot of us are very supportive. We talk about um, investing in ETFs and all that sort of stuff, not so much anymore with like what you mentioned before with ASIC, we've not really talked about that anymore. Um, but quite a lot of us are in that mindset of, how do we make more money and how do we still have time for our kids? How do we still have time for everything without giving up? Yeah, I guess still living along the way. So still having holidays, still enjoying everything, but paying off debt and having that abundance that you talk about as well in um, our meetings. 
it's it's so important i think for people to start talking about money and it starts mm. like you know even if you're a single it's talking to your friends about money if you get into a couple it then goes into your relationship about talking about money but to take it one step further it's around building communities where you're constantly talking about money and you know with our clients we're talking a lot about money and even as a community we're talking about money but it is one thing that i'm working from even from an association level to help the community to continue to talk about money and it's something mm. that I really have a passion that should be talked about more at schools. It should be talked about at a really low level. And I'm not talking in about high necessarily school. high school, just talking Maybe about it. You primary know? school. Mm. Yeah, just talking about it. It doesn't necessarily need to be that we're going to create every single person into a wealth creation ninja. I don't think that's that's it going to be the case. But just talking about it is, is and sharing experiences is very important. So these ASIC guidelines and regulations really disheartened me because I, I felt that was being lost, okay? So, you know, mm. we'll see where that kind of goes. But, you know, along that journey, you've done well, but I'm sure you've made mistakes or maybe things that you thought you could have done better, yeah? Um, maybe just share with us just maybe one of the things that you probably would have done better or maybe that, you know, that 18-year-old or that 21-year-old, the tips that maybe you give that person again? Um, so you're probably not going to like this, but, yes, this is definitely one of my biggest money regrets. Um, I was, I think I mentioned before, I was manager of a jewellery store uh, and the difference between that job and the job I have now, it, it's vastly different. There was a lot of pressure on us to wear the wares, if that makes sense, so buy the jewellery that, that was um, sold there. So I wasted a significant amount of money um, on jewellery and pretty much all of it's gone now. I don't wear it. I don't see the value in it. So I hocked a lot of it off to pay off debt. Uh, at one point, I think I got manager of the month or something like that. So I had it in my head. I've worked really, really hard. I went and bought a one-carat stone that was close to 10K, went and got a special mount for it and had it for a few years. The insurance was too much to insure it. I barely worked because I was so scared I was going to lose it. No one knew the difference between that and a diva ring. No one's going to know. Um, but I had it in my head that I worked really hard for this and I deserved it. Anyway, so I this is after I split from my husband. I ended up selling it to pay off my car loan and to be debt-free at that point. We still had a mortgage for our investment property. But um, my mindset just changed. Like I didn't need all this stuff. And the same thing now. Like I just don't need all these bits and pieces and jewellery and brand new clothes all the time. I'd rather put it into my house and renovate or I'd rather put it into an experience for me and my kids. They're my priorities now. So definitely a money regret. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's one of those things that I think just comes with um, your learning. Like everyone's got Mm. mistakes, you know, I've got mistakes, you've got mistakes, Mm. everyone's got mistakes. And that ability for you to reflect on that and see what you've done wrong, okay? And I say to people all the time, as humans, we chase shiny objects and diamonds happen to be one of them, okay? And it's having those bigger rings, having those shiny necklaces, all those earrings, all those watches, and it's okay. Like, listen, there are some people that splurged, actually okay. really, yeah, really like those things, and that's yeah. that's cool. You know, um, my thing, my thing's cars. Yeah, so I'm a car car guy, but that's my thing. But mm. always, it's around looking at that and understanding what the opportunity cost is. As you heard from what she was saying, was there was mm. an accumulation of other debts in other areas. Yeah, mm. and could that money have been better used? And really really probably if you went through the process that was more around showing others how good you were rather than showing you how good you were and obviously that Mm. comes with maturity and those experiences now that you're having with your kids 
that's really probably what makes you now happy. So, and then, so that's one of the, some of the mistakes that you've learned from her. I'm glad uh, in a way, Brett, I must admit, I'm glad you've been through that. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because it teaches you, you know, later on, it's like a kid that never hurts himself. You want him to like hurt himself, not too hard, but feels what it's like to get to learn that lesson. Oh, hundred percent. I'll never make that mistake again. That's it. That's it. (laughs) And what about one of your better decisions? Because obviously you've had a few. What do you reckon you look back and you're like, I'm glad I did that? I think it probably would be this house, honestly. Um, so a little bit of a, a mistake I guess we made at the time. We just got married, had this huge trip overseas, came back, and we were living in his parents' rental. And they said, do you want to buy it off us? We're about to sell it. We said, no, we want the first homeowner's, homeowner's grant, stamp duty waived, all that jazz okay, cool, well, we're going to sell it in, you know, under two months. So we had no option. We started scraping a deposit together. We managed to get a 99% loan. Would not recommend. It's very, very stressful owning, you know, 100% of that, basically 100% of that debt. We purchased a house um, very quickly, which was great. This is the one that we're about to sell. Um, but being a in a cookie cutter, brand new estate, the value actually dropped a fair bit, at least 30, 40 grand soon after we bought it. So soon after that, we had our first child. So it was a little bit of a struggle probably that first couple of years. Not a big backyard. So soon after that, we moved out, went into a rental and we split. Um, it's all good. We're amicable. There's, it's all good there. Um, so we had that as a rental for a little while. Just moved out. The air conditioner broke. The hot water system broke. The dishwasher broke. We had no savings, no buffer for this property. Um, Sounds like damage control. (laughs) It really was a nightmare. And I remember just being at work and I get another call from the real estate agent. Hey, this this is wrong. And I would just burst into tears. I hate this property. Um, And it's because we didn't have a buffer. We did not have a two to five grand buffer for all these things that were going wrong, which we do now. Um, We've learned learned that mistake as well. So it got to a point where my ex-husband just didn't want to deal with the insurance, deal with negotiating rates, deal with paying off the mortgage. I just said, I want to keep it. Are you happy if I take it? So we did an agreement. It was all good. He got paid out. Um, We did try to sell it at one point before COVID and got one offer, I think. Um, And we weren't going to make any money on it. We're like, we'll just stick through it. I'll take it over. Use your cash. All good. And then COVID happened. And as you know, properties have gone absolutely bonkers um so this property is in southeast queensland we've got great tenants uh but we've decided with a few different things um with you guys uh there's a few advantages there's a tax advantage potentially there's a rate advantage with the substitution to sell this property and get some money out of it so i would say that's actually been probably a great decision but also at the time it really was a bad decision to take out that loan at 99% and push through over a few years. It's taken nine years to get to this point. Um, But I think I'll actually be happy to let it go, get some money out of it and improve our property that we have uh, and rebalance everything. So I think, yeah, buying that house is a little bit of a bad, but probably really now the best decision to hold onto it for as long as I have, especially with the separation. I was a single parent. Um, so still having to pay off that loan and pay rent and pay everything for the kids and work, it really was a bit of a struggle for a few years, but we got through it and now we're looking at some cash out of this house, which is great. I think, I think one of the biggest things that you've, that you've done there is stuck with it. And so mm. when you hold a property for say 10 years, you've usually gone through an economic cycle. So mm. it's, that, it's that holding period where at the start we heard that it was 
terrible. It was not like, you know, it was the, it was the worst it's house hard. that you could have done. But it was around sticking to it. And this is what we talk about. If it's property or if it's stocks or whatever it is, you may go through a period of two, three years where it's absolutely horrible. You're like, what did it's I do? negative. Yeah. And you just yeah. want to get out of it. Yeah, and you cut can't. It was, it was just honestly so good that we didn't. And I'm so glad we didn't sell in 2019 because who was who could have predicted the amount of insane? And it's not like it's in Sydney or anything. Um, it's we're only looking at maybe a little over a hundred grand, but the difference between the loan now and what it should sell for is a decent amount. And this is just going to be—it's honestly going to be life-changing for us and the kids. What what we're doing. So I've never seen that amount of money in my life. It's—it's uh, it's yeah. going to be honestly crazy. Um, and uh, a lot of it will go back into yes, yeah, stocks, buying another house eventually in the next six months. Renault's and just purely a cash buffer. It's not like I want to go out and buy a Louis Vuitton or anything like that. Um, I really just want to put it back into our mortgages and paying off debt and restructuring. So, yeah, the difference between, I guess, 23, 24-year-old me and 34-year-old me doesn't want all the glitz and glamour and all these extra things, maybe a little holiday, but nothing too crazy. I'm not going to go out and spend 10 grand on a bag or anything. So. It's it's very interesting. There's a quote that says, if you keep buying things you want, soon you're going to have to start selling things you need. Okay. And you've gone yeah. through that whole cycle where you know that there's a trade off. You keep wanting stuff, you're going to have to give up stuff. And, um, mm. and I think the other thing is obviously working with you that we're building towards a point where you no longer need to trade time for money. And it's mm. not to say that, you know, you know me and you, we, we like work, we like doing what we're doing, but the reality is, we want that choice and it's that mm. choice to be able to go, I don't need to go to work tomorrow. And it's an amazing feeling. To, it's an amazing feeling and an accomplishment to do that. And obviously with the plan that we've got, we can see that slowly getting closer and closer. And we appreciate that it takes time. But when we reflect on, you know, 24 year old you and 34 year old you, you can start to see how much closer you're getting to that goal, which is amazing. And for people that are thinking about starting on this journey, thinking about doing something, you can use this, you know, story, which, you know, mm. you've heard about my story, you've heard about her story and it's around planting the seeds and over time getting to where, you know, getting to Keep where you're getting growth. to and, and you're getting, and mm. you're getting closer. Yeah. Mm. Now so start um, in your twenties is what we're trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're in your thirties or in your forties, yeah. start now. Start yeah. now. Yeah. Um, so obviously you've got a couple of kids and I do as well mm. too. We've got young kids. Um, and what are some of the things that maybe you're doing with your kids or you would like to do with your kids around money? Like, are you thinking about certain techniques or certain things that you're doing for them? Uh, so we do do pocket money. We're not very strict on it or anything like that. It's not like they have an X amount of chores that they have to do when they come back to us. Mm -hmm. um, one is a little bit better with it than the other. <laughs> My little girl loves saving up her money. So at the moment she's saving up for a Barbie house. So I've told her if she saves up $50, I will give her the other $50. So she's actually got a goal. Whereas my little boy, the moment he's got $9, that's a pack of Pokemon cards. That's that's as far as he can foresee. He, he can't, he's not quite at that age yet where he can understand. And I'll do the same thing for him once he gets there, but he's not quite there. He really mm -hmm. just, the minute he's got about $9, $10, he's got to go to the shop and spend it. Mm -hmm. um, at the moment, we've actually started playing Monopoly Go and I've tried yeah. to explain investment property to them. I said, Dave and I have got a property. This is how much it costs, even though it's in million dollars. Um, and that's obviously something that they'll say it, but they can't quite comprehend how much that means. They're too young for that. They're six and eight, or almost eight. 
Um, but that's been really good. My daughter could really quite understand, hey, if I've got a property, I can charge rent. So I just try and explain that, I guess, mm-hmm. in their own language. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's probably just more pocket money and just telling them, hey, this is a treat. If we're going out for dinner, this is a treat. This costs this much money mm-hmm. and I have to work for this amount of hours to pay for this. So just little things like that. Try not to be too negative about it, but trying to just explain to them. And I think you mentioned it before. I don't, well, we don't want spoiled kids. We're not here to go and give them 200 bucks a week or anything like that or a handout or anything like that. They're going to have to work for it. So I think just instilling things while they're little, just to plant those seeds for when they're older, that if they do want to go and buy a phone and it's a ridiculous amount of money, they're probably going to have to go get a job. Or if they want a car, I'll give you X amount, but you need to save the rest of it if you want to go and buy a car. And I think another big thing is, and they're great techniques, and I think the other one as well too is talking about it as you are. And and Mm. I'm finding a lot of people don't. They'll go to work, they'll come home, work, come home, and there's no conversations that are happening with children around certain Mm. things. And we just need to be aware that kids look up to us and copy us, whatever we Mm. do. There was a great video, I wish I could share it, about Tiger Woods and Tiger Woods, the way that he plays golf and you see how his son plays golf and the mannerisms and the gestures and the way he walks, it's like exactly the same as his father. Yeah. Yeah? And this is the same when it comes to anything. If it comes to Mm -hmm. money, if you're there and, you know, just tapping, okay, well, what is your kids thinking? That this thing's just tapping. If you don't understand the mechanisms of how that works. There's just money there. Yeah. It's just money there. And that and and that approach that you're taking about showing the whole working and effort to get somewhere and the and the stopping of instant gratification mm. is awesome. Yeah. Now for people that follow me, um, you know that I've got a couple of young boys. Um, I do some similar stuff. So we're doing the whole monopoly um, as well too. We try and gamify as much as we can. Um, it's a great they, idea. It's mm. a great idea. You got to mm. them, gamify them everything, and you'll find that they actually like it a lot. We've started to do the whole chores and, and do a bit of the chores board and the rewards around that. Mm. Um, I am testing on how much I can push my five-year-old. My two-year-old's a bit too young, but I'm trying to push my five-year-old. Um, I've been talking to him about credit risk, Brett, which you obviously know about. Oh. Talking him, talking to him about secure. I can understand it. Go for it. <laughs> we, um, the, the funny one is that it, my wife lent him $40. And um, when she lent him the $40, I asked him what security did he take off his mother? And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, she's got a watch. Um, you know, maybe just grab the watch off her next time as a security and you watch how quickly she'll pay you back. Um, so <laughs> that's a that's funny one. That's brilliant. Yeah, we might try something similar actually. That's yeah, cool. you just gotta you just got to test it and see what they do. And I think the mm-hmm. other thing is also... With children, which is a big thing about obviously when, when we're us as parents, you know, teaching them to how to interact with it and whatnot, we just mm. need to be mindful that they're not going to learn it, you know, saying it once. Yeah, it's about that repetition. If we're going to do Monopoly, right. you've got to do Monopoly over and over and over and again until they start understanding the game and how it all works. If you're mm-hmm. teaching them about like John credit risk, you know, I know that he's not going to learn that straight away. But, you know, it's I taught him about, for example, yeah, correct. It's going to take a while. I taught them about like assets and liabilities, gamified it, and then just over and over and again, just rep- repeating that assets and liabilities in an identification chart. Yeah, and doing that over and over and again. So you're doing some great, that. great work. And I love that you're talking about it and you're gamifying it for your kids because the biggest reason as well too is you're preparing them, but you're also mm-hmm. making sure that the wealth that you're building for yourself and for mm-hmm. them is going to stay around forever. And that's what we're trying to do because if we don't, 
I can assure you there's high percentage rates where the kids just get the money and just blow the whole thing. So uh, I really don't want that. We don't go down the toilet. Yeah, no, hundred percent. That's yeah. it. That's it. Now, obviously, um, I just want to open up about obviously our conversation mm. because um, I do remember the conversation at the start, and just so everyone knows, Brett's obviously pretty cluey in regards to money. Okay, and. I just want to kind of go back to that. Before you came to us, maybe what was your initial kind of thoughts about working with someone like us first? And then the second part of that was, what did you see in your finances that you thought you needed to level up on? Um, I think the main thing, because I do have that lender, like mortgage lending and uh, yeah, credit background with the bank that I work for now, um, whereas my partner has got, I guess, a different sort of mentality. Um, so I think that was the main thing. We each had one. We knew we wanted to buy a house. We knew we had goals that were slightly different. And that's where we kind of knocked heads a bit. So we thought, no, we really need a referee now. It got to the point where we're like, we need someone else to step in. They tell us what to do. So we did make an agreement. We will stick to the plan. Um, even though we have tried and changed the plan slightly, it does still benefit everyone in the long run um so in a positive way so uh yeah i think it just got to the point where we were clashing a bit over our direction um, direction yeah i guess and just what we wanted and i yeah you know i'll sit here and i'll say i want six properties but the reality of that happening right now it's not gonna happen right now it's something that has to be staggered and planned for which is good i needed that grounding as well and just coming up with a better budget we did have a loose budget, but it wasn't something that we stick to. Whereas I found this last, gosh, four months, I guess, has been since we started the plan. Um, we're a lot better with our splurge money. We're a lot better with looking at our money. We do go through our statements every month. Uh, I think it's just that accountability as well. We've got an accountability buddy that's outside of us too. Um, so that, yeah, just that referee, I guess, saying this is what you've got to do and you've got to stick to it. If not, this won't happen. Okay, yeah, no worries. So I think that's been really good for us. It's taken a lot of pressure off us as well. We can just enjoy our relationship rather than stressing about our future and our plans and what we should be doing, which is really good. Um, it warms my heart to hear that. Um, because, it's been you know, great. For us, for us, thanks, thanks. And for us, it's a, a, around constantly leveling everyone up. And, you mm. know, Brad's very good in a certain area, but her partner's not so good in financial literacy in another area. So even we need to work on different areas with different people as well too. Mm. Um, you know, in regards to, you know, if we were unlocking levels, yeah, we've got to unlock people's, uh, you know, financial literacy at, at, at different levels. And also I think the other one is that balance between money and lifestyle. And mm. there's not, there's... You, in a relationship, there's two people. And so they've got different views, different lifestyle requirements, whatever it is. So trying to gel that together and, and what, like you put it, be the referee, um, you know, we like doing it and that's why we do what we do. So um, it's good. It's worth the money for that, <laughs> just for that part alone, just to take that pressure off us um, and just know that we have a plan and that it is a long-term plan. It's not going to, we're not going to be rich next week. We both know that. Um and just sticking to that plan and making sure that we're both set up for everything that we need with insurances and the legal stuff and the trust, it's all going to happen. And it's all, yeah, it's going to benefit us and our kids and our grandkids. We're going to have so much wealth by the end of this to pass down. It's yeah, it's life-changing, honestly. And so, so maybe it was just a quick reflection because one mm -hmm. thing I do get all the time is that um, two things I get is, John, we should have come to see you years and years ago, yeah? And the other one I, I get is, 
<laughs> and the second one is I get all the time is, and I actually got it today was, um, oh, I didn't think we had enough money to come see you. So what I want to try and do is rewind, yeah, to maybe mm-hmm. that 22, 24 year old or whatever that was working, you know, just starting her career. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe it was with your ex-partner at that point. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure. What would you say to that person that's thinking, I don't know if I need this? Stop buying jewelry. God damn it. (laughs) um, And really at that point, uh, even before that, I did. I I worked so hard. I would waitress two different jobs. I would do 6.30 to 3 and then I'd have a two-hour gap and then I would go waitress of the night time. And I'd get really good tips Friday and Saturday. This is pre-kids. This is pre-mortgage. And we would go to Splendor. We would go to all these different music festivals. And we had great. We would go out all the time. We had no savings. We never had any sort of savings. It's only when my ex-husband started on the mines that we scraped some cash together to get this house. Um, And I'm so thankful for that. We saved on food. We saved on expenses. It was brilliant. It got us to where where we are now, really. Um, But, yeah, stop spending all your money and save 10%. That would, I would ingrain that. And that's, I think that's something I really want to teach my kids, save 10%. 20% if you can, say 50% if you can, but save 10% for a rainy day. Um, just having an emergency fund, that's something that we've only just recently had in the last couple of years with COVID. Before that, I had maybe a few grand that I could lean on. Having a good, solid emergency fund, if anything happens, um, that's crucial. I think before setting up any sort of plan, you need to have something as a buffer. If anything were to happen to your car, to your house, to you, Um yeah, stop spending all your money, save some cash, have a rainy day fund. Yeah, They're my three things. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what? You know, I, I agree with all of that. And I think the quicker you have a game plan and the quicker you have a framework and a structure, mm-hmm. you'll quickly find out that you're not going out, you're not living with without, you're actually living better. And mm-hmm. what you've even said earlier on, as soon as you plan, like you're starting to still have splurge accounts, though you're looking at your money, you actually find that you're not wasting your money on rubbish. And this is the Mm. biggest thing that we find with most people is that once they go through the process and build a plan, as early as you can, they end up going like, oh my gosh, what was I doing with all of that money? Mm -hmm. That's right. And when you're younger, you know, you're just starting out, you don't have so much responsibilities. Or even if you find yourself drowning, if you're not focusing on it and don't have a plan, well, you're not investing in your future. You need to be investing in your future or else you're going to keep on going in that rat race same uh, and not work, same cycle and not mm. work, work things out. But Brett, I want to thank you very much for jumping on. Your story has been amazing to see where you come from, you know, the days where you were moving house to house from 12 to mm. 18 months to now having a few properties under your belt, really looking to accelerate your wealth. Your kids, you're doing amazing stuff with them and I can't wait to see them up and running. Um, they, they, they're always going to be the better for it. Um, and I'm obviously really, really excited because I know what the future holds for you and it, it, it really is exciting. And, and to see that eventually come to fruition um, will be amazing for all of us. I'm sure that we'll, we'll, we'll uh, share in, in the celebration. So once again, thank you, Brett, for jumping on. And, um, thank you. That's all right. And uh, thanks, everyone, for watching and listening. I appreciate it. Cheers. Have a good one. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Cash Talk. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you want to learn more about me, jump onto my Instagram at at thejohncasher and you'll find me there or at my website at www.johncasher.com.au. Thanks for listening. Cheers.